I want it up as loud as it can go, without feeding, I want to hear the thing. Opposing the government and opposing the Conservatives, I'm afraid it's the hard left who want to tighten their control. They want to uh, sideline uh, moderate voices. I don't think anybody should be surprised about that is the nature of the hard left. And of course we know that the hard left famously cannot tolerate any you dissent whatsoever. Well, we know who the hard left are in the you know, ascendancy I, I, within, the, within the Labour Party who associate with the hard left. Turn this thing off. If this is all you can do, I don't need it. No, no, yeah. This is one time when I want you guys to just go bang and we're doing it. Do it okay. right on Neil's vocal mic. Check. One, two. Louder. You just said that we were right to right wings. Hard left agenda. Printing money, nationalization without compensation. Hard left wing position. Hard left. Hard left. This is a ban. You can't hear. This is not a recording. The hard left, 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 hard that sounds great though. Great sound. Thank you. Yo. Yo! Cool. So, this is a very special edition of Real Politic that you listen to, listening to, rather. That's off to a good start. <laughs> I am Jack, as you probably know, and I'm joined today by my good friend and sort of a former Real Politic guest, but this is the first released episode. Yeah, the last one was too hot for. The, yeah, yeah, podcast. too controversial. <laughs> so, there's one in the Real Politic archives that I'm sure will be part of a box set in <laughs> a few decades. But um, no, this is Emmett's first proper episode. It's my friend Emmett Crudders. What's up, guys? AKA Roof Access. Yeah, that's right. Uh, how would you describe yourself, Emmett? You're a musician, uh, a amateur musician, amateur broadcaster, da, da, da. DJ. Yeah, 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 all of this, all uh, of this stuff. And uh, you do a film podcast. Yeah, we just started. Um, I'm in a band called Phil Graves, and me and my friend Sam. While we're not uh, playing shows, we're doing a film podcast about repertory cinema and new releases called Film Graves. Do you get it? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't until recently. That's why I'm asking. I was, just, yeah. <laughs> I was listening to the show one day and I had a bit of a brainwave. I was like, wait a minute. It was long enough explaining why our band name was Jokes, and now we got to go <laughs> yeah. twice, twice. Not even. It's not even about the sort of Twitter radical. Yeah, I assume <laughs> these guys were on like a Phil Greaves hype. <laughs> I had a side project called like Red Kahuna or something. <laughs> <laughs> but no, check it out. The last episode we did, we talked about the Rottles and mm. talked about Peter Watkins. And we're just about to record one with our mate who's a overground driver. We're going to talk about the general and 
quality. Unstoppable, that kind of stuff. Love for Ruttles. Oh, yeah. Love Peter Watkins. Yeah. Not that asked about Unstoppable. (laughs) (laughs) But it's fair enough. We mean the Tony Scott one, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm trying to think of other good. There's one that the guy who wrote Andre Rublev, Konchalovsky, he made this film for Runaway Train. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got that on Blu ray there. It's, uh, that's an amazing film by Hugh <laughs> Runaway Train. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. So check out. Co written by Eddie Bunker. Is it? Yeah, yeah, you know. Uh, serious criminal, cri- Eddie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Former criminal yeah. and who parlayed his, his aptitude for a knowledge of crime into writing about crime and appearing in films about crime. Just like the old cowboys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Very sick. Yeah. Very nice to be here. Yeah, it's very nice to have you here, and we're going to be talking about something extremely dear to both of our hearts today. Absolutely. We're talking, of course, about Ontario's own Mr. Neil Young. Bernard Shakey. Bernard Shakey, (laughs) sorry, yeah, yeah, okay. So actually, what we're talking about today is not musician Neil Young, but filmmaker Bernard Shakey, who's kind of uh, Jekyll and Hyde flip side to Mr. Young's excellent musical output. There's a much spottier canon <laughs> as well in this uh, under the same guy's kind of general artistic bracket. So whilst Neil Young has been, you know, so since 1970 as a member of Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, he's been a star. Basically, mm-hmm. before that, he was... Uh, you know, a fairly successful musician in the Springfield and had gone solo, but he wasn't Buffalo Springfield, that is. But he wasn't really a star. And then CSNY made him big. And then Harvest, his fourth solo album, Counting Crazy Horse Records, Mm -hmm. in 72, that made Neil a massive superstar as a solo artist. That was like the biggest selling album of that year, I think. Exactly. And it's the only... Is it the only number one album he ever had? Because Heart of Gold was the only number one single Mm -hmm. he ever had. Mm -hmm. And that very same year that he became a superstar as a solo artist, he instantly, again, like parlayed his new success (laughs) into an incredibly self-indulgent vanity (laughs) project. Which, I mean, to be fair, there's not really much use, I think, disparaging Neil Young projects as self-indulgent or anything. Absolutely not. Because what he does is he has an idea that he wants to do and he does it yeah and the fact that he's a star and he has money means that he can just spend his money on whatever crazy ideas he has <laughs> <laughs> he was saying in shaky the brilliant jimmy mcdonald book he's talking about how like warner's really screwed him over on journey through the past you know when mm. he was the biggest recording artist in the world and they're like, oh they really didn't treat it properly didn't give it the like big release i was hoping for <laughs> What? I mean, look, I mean, like, obviously I'll always stick up for Neil Young against the corporate suits, but, mm. like, what were Warner's expected to do with such property? <laughs> There's a really good bit where he's talking about the first screening he had on the ranch where he's showing it to, like, CSNY and, like, all his mates, and there's just, like, deafening silence after the, <laughs> after the screening, you know, no one knew what to say. Which, I don't know, maybe fair enough. To be... <laughs> I was I was pretty speechless after the end of watching this one. Yeah, so this is Neil Young's first film as a director, Journey Through the Past, from mm. 1972, and it's a kind of a Jean-Luc Godard-influenced film. Definitely. He says that's his favourite filmmaker, right, mm. in uh, Waging Heavy Peace. I, I like, think what? so. Well, definitely one of the more fascinating parts of that awful book. I'm like, why? And it, Something to do with the way he links images. I think, apparently. by the way, I think still probably the least bad book that Neil's written. Fair enough. I haven't read the other one. Uh, I have. It's not... 
good. I, I actually, I mean, it's unfair to Neil to say I've read it because I flipped through it to find the bits that were about music rather than cars. <laughs> but he's written a new book now, which is about audio quality, and I cannot be fucking asked to read Neil a full book length Neil Young rant about audio quality. I, on the other hand, couldn't be more excited. Oh, yeah. really? No, I'm joking. Yeah. <laughs> I'm joking, of course. I've got, I don't know. I've got a mate who worked for Pono. <laughs> around the time he said it was fucking shit. Oh, really? And now he's on his third streaming company. Is he? Third, Xtreme. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they do the archives now. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, the archives it's is a pretty successful, cool amazing project. project. Yeah, so yeah. We'll, we'll get to the archives in a bit. But So, yeah, in 1972, Neil got into the filmmaking game. Like, how did it work out? Because I've not rewatched this film for the episode. Okay. I watched, some, I watched some little bits. I went through and there's some really cool concert footage in there mm. a lot of csny jamming they got the harvest barn sessions. exactly that's what i was going to mention so they've got them playing like are you ready for the country in alabama yeah and it's pretty cool seeing neil's diy setup in the barn with all these seasoned country session musicians mm. playing away although i would say it's a bit of a shame because just when you get into the jamming or just when neil's about to rip your head off with some crazy solo and then it would just cut to real like slow cinema footage you know <laughs> just like a crane shot or a helicopter shot i don't know going down i thought this was some sort of like visual gag or whatever just like going down a road all the way to neil's house or whatever you know? oh what yeah is, is that where he like he parks the car and then he gets out and like has a zoo that's a really interesting bit right <laughs> yes yeah, so as you say there's a secret so one of the plots of the film is i guess neil and his girlfriend at the time carrie snodgrass going for a drive and you watch them sort of driving through the country down the road yeah and then they park and it's a real bellatar Ming lang you know like slow cinema thing yeah. where they sit, the camera is just like really far away and they just get out they sit on the hood of a car and smoke a joint yeah. but this shot actually when neil showed it to the studio executives because carrie's seen smoking a joint even though you can't really see anything it's like yeah. Eight, eight millimeter film you can't see shit but apparently they terminated her studio contract oh shit yeah because yeah. she was an actress wasn't she yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. you know one who was in like proper films not just Neil Young well Bernard Shakey movies <laughs> yeah uh, way more of an actress than Dennis Hopper as well. <laughs> oh yeah no, not to disparage the uh, shaky <laughs> repertory company we're constantly being asked who does Hollywood have today who can match the brilliance of a Betty Davis the beauty of a Greta Garbo well, let me present the class of 71, and all of them are superb actresses. The nominees for best performance by an actress are Carrie Snodgrass in Diary of a Mad Housewife, Glenda Jackson in Women in Love, Sarah Miles in Ryan's Daughter, Allie McGraw in Love Story, Jane Alexander in The Great White Hope. The envelope, please. The winner is Glenda Jackson in Women in Love. While ago somewhere, I don't know when, I was watching a movie with a friend. I fell in love with the actress She was playing a part that I could understand There's that line on Harvest, so a song contemporary to this era. Mm. A 
Man Needs a Maid, where Neil's like, a while ago, somewhere I don't know when, I was watching a movie with a friend, I fell in love with the actress, she was playing a part that I could understand, and that was presumably written about falling for Carrie Snodgrass. A song I always had a lot of trouble with. It's, uh, the lyrics <laughs> are kind of bait, but I think that particular stanza, yeah. because it's ripped straight from the pages of Neil's life, it feels really vital and resonant, I think. Mm. But the song, I mean, it's got Jack Nietzsche's orchestrations on and it. Barking Town Hall. Yeah. yeah, a little bit better than There's a World, I think. I prefer There's a World, just because every time, you know. Interesting. Oh. Hot in. Dude, so dude. hot in here. You know, the, fucking, the, the sample on the Nelly tune. Or whatever. You play the first two seconds and it's uh, Hot in Here by Nelly. Is that, did she actually sample? Yeah, 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 yeah. So Neil licensed that, presumably? I guess so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, well, maybe it was in that sort of grey area, like, (laughs) 2001, 'Cause I prefer the solo version of yeah. he does it on keyboard. Often what he does is he plays the verses to A Man Needs a Maid on the piano and then he'll go to the string man. His, yeah, yeah, uh, his right. faux his synthesizer with the faux string sound that he uses on like well, a hurricane. Like more faint well poncho. Rather, it's got the bird of peace on the front of the yeah, exactly. when it comes down from the ceiling. You always know what song you're getting when you, <laughs> when you, when you see that, uh, the, like at the top of the stage. Uh, yeah. yeah, you're getting a song without rhythm guitar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, anything else on Journey Through the Past? There's some really funny moments on it. You do get footage of them all just like tripping. Graham Nash has like got this whole weed company big tobacco conspiracy theory that he's talking about. <laughs> Neil Young is showing off his unglued rolling papers and everyone's like, whoa. There's that's... loads of uh, <laughs> like stoner content in the movie, Definitely. isn't there? This is a Johnny Barbada joint, I know no, this. One of mine. I, did is it, I think it's one of them unglued papers. Unglued papers? No that's yeah, what is this shit here? Yeah. Wow. We, here. It's all part of it. <laughs> it's all part of it. <laughs> Hold it together. If it was legal, we could have it in Kent cigarette packages. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Would that be far out? Yeah. We get with with Micronite filters? <laughs> well, what if put on the side of the Somebody told there? me that, uh, yeah. that the big <laughs> tobacco <laughs> companies have already... ...have already registered <laughs> the names <laughs> of Acapulco <laughs> Gold and Colombian Brown and all that. Really? It's seem to waste good grass. And I know that, so we ought to find a So that. Crosby tells me, and you know. That's interesting. You know, things like that are interesting. That really is deep. You know, <laughs> if, if those it's people, if, if those people are planning for the future, uh, you know, if they got, if they got, all of a sudden, legalized, they've got it all. They just have to get the dough, and they still have, they have the plants and the pa- and the packaging and the merchandising and the outlets and uh, exactly. right? Exactly. Not a thing. I mean, it's getting so loose with grass now compared to the way it used to be. That yeah. it's got to loosen up pretty much. You can I don't know. I remember when I first turned on in Toronto, it was like, you know, a big thing. A when big I first thing. You get high, you know. Yeah. You know, because nobody got high, and if you got high, you were Gene Krupa. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 
There's also them just walking around at night. This is the four of them talking absolute garbage. <laughs> for once, David Crosby isn't the most egregious for it. That would go to Mr. Stephen Stills. I've isolated the quote where he's really, really going off on one. What does he say? Someday the reassurance by way of words just won't be necessary anymore. <laughs> and then, and that sound, that's another one of those ones where they're playing words in the barn and then it just cuts out from the jam. Oh. Who wants to see that? We'd much rather watch them just like walking around in a field. Beautiful field of clover. This is rock and roll heaven. By themselves. And words I always thought was a pretty inexplicable song. And now I'm even more confused uh, about what it means to Neil Young. I've seen Neil play words live like three times. Yeah. It's one you think of as a deep cut, but then when I look at the shows that I've been to, he's played it almost all of them. He's played it both times I've seen him. I think, yeah, I don't understand what it's about, but I think it's a cool song. That's really hot there. <laughs> I love the tempo change. We translate it into words in order to reassure ourselves. Someday. The words, the reassurance by way of words, won't be necessary. Soon. I'm sure, by the way, listeners will be mentioning a lot about what we think about Neil Young's music in the course of this episode. Safe to films. say we're fans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think you'll probably get that, but I think it would be much easier if we... Well, no, it would probably be actually a lot more difficult if we tried to like go through all his albums, because we'd never get out of there. <laughs> yeah, it's true, it's true. And there is probably less linking them from step by step between the albums as well. Yeah, so this, so. I think this is a way for us to talk about Neil in a slightly more manageable kind of way. For sure. I mean, he made this film after massive success CSNY and Harvest yeah and like the first ever like stadium tour or whatever yeah so he was like really really successful and he really got to just go off on one I mean far more than like when you get like the Justin Bieber film or something like that or God, like the yeah. Beyonce film that comes out these days like you know this is really well that's just a, it's kind of like an advert for the artist isn't it whereas if, if this is an advert for the artist it's not a very good one it's kind of like it makes him look inscrutable <laughs> <laughs> there's one moment of insight in amongst all the like knights in black robes on horses on the beach and stuff like that very arresting imagery Sorry, but Gary. I guess so. I guess so in a way, but it's like a ten-minute unbroken shot. Again. Yeah, slow cinema, genius, pioneer. But there's one bit where he was talking about how he loves Goddard, and I really struggled mm. to see the Goddard influence. But there's one bit where CSNY are playing one of their first songs. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's Southern Man or something like that, or Ohio. Oh right. And yeah. then it cuts to like a backstage guy or like a bouncer. No, there's a bit where they're interviewing the drivers. But there's another bit where the guy is just like. Man, this is like one of the biggest, you know, record company moves in the world. They're just like singing about the revolution. They're like benefiting from it hugely. And then it cuts to just this montage of just people selling tickets oh, as they're playing Ohio. So maybe that's, that's a little bit of like Neil saw through that and he was trying to like express that through some sort of like... That's classic Neil disillusionment. Yeah, yeah. The 60s dream, isn't it? Like he's the only kind of guy of that set who would be cynical enough to do that yeah. i mean none of the other guys in csn why would direct an avant-garde film but uh, certainly not but were they too <laughs> none of them would kind of put in a bit skewering their own industry for being like rapacious right yeah. Find the car. 
5.50, though, which is a, the same capitalism that everybody's putting down is the capitalism that, that's, that this whole business is thriving on. It thrives on it. It makes it a go. It doesn't cost no $75,000 or $50,000 to put on a quality show. And I'll tell you who gets burned. It's every kid out there, and it happens over and over and over again. Contents went from $250 and $350 now to like $750, $850, $10. It's insane. It's all insane. And people making a fortune singing about change America, man. Join the revolution. And they're as far left of the revolution as you can get. Again, I think it, it may not be a great movie, but made at the total peak of his success. It's the same with the Time Fades Away tour of mm -hmm. 73, where he did actually play... People have rewritten the history so that it was just him on stage playing new songs, but he played loads of Harvest songs on the Time Fades Away of tour. Course. It's just, you know, if people can't cope with seeing a few new songs at a show like with all the hit songs in it, then grow up. But, <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyway, like the fact that Time Fades Away is such an adventurous record from adventurous shows mm. and that he made such an adventurous film when he could have just gone, you know, stayed straight right down the middle of the road. Could have made Stars and Bars next or whatever maybe. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, gone straight to a kind of like Comes a Time sort of record. Uh, yeah. But he didn't. Instead, he went into the ditch in his own... Mm -hmm. well, there's obviously that very, very famous line by Neil in the liner notes to Decade, where he says about Heart of Gold, this song put me in the middle of the road and travelling there got to be a drag so I drove into the ditch <laughs> and that's why On the Beach Time Fades Away and Tonight's the Night are known as the Ditch Trilogy mm. I do love those records as well it's my favourite part of his career with with Zuma as a sort of addendum I was going to say I think Zuma's maybe my favourite Neil Young record out of any of these it's great because it's the horse reinvigorated right, right. that's the thing so it's a glorious sound this old beast kicking back to life you know he just he made such good music in the 70s you couldn't really tell it from the films really but yeah, yeah. <laughs> well apart I, from russ never sleeps yeah course. well i mean we'll get to that but <laughs> i think in journey through the past maybe it's saving graces but there is some really cool music in there mm. now i'm going back to plenty of good music in the film Journey Through the Past. Among that music is not the song Journey Through the Past, which was an outtake from the Harvest Sessions. There's a version of it recorded at the barn with Ben Keith et al, which was eventually in 2009 released on the Neil Young Archives Volume 1 box set, which is also where you can find the Journey Through the Past film, and then was subsequently featured on the soundtrack to Paul Thomas Anderson's Inherent Vice, which is set in the kind of tail end of the hippie era. And the film actually features another song by Neil Young from this era, Harvest, but 
Only the archives version of Journey Through the Past shows up on the soundtrack. Journey Through the Past would actually get released first in 1973 on Time Fades Away as a solo acoustic performance uh, on piano from Neil's 1971 solo tour. And if you listen to the Neil Young Live at Massey Hall 1971 live album, when he sings Now I'm Going Back to Canada on a Journey Through the Past in the song Journey Through the Past, the Canadian audience go fucking wild. It's like whenever he sings the felt like getting high line in After the Gold Rush and everyone's like, yeah. So there's this thing in Shaky, which is Jimmy McDonough's definitive treatise on Neil Young. He wrote it in. So it came, must have came out in the early 2000s. It was before Greendale. Yeah. For sure. So yeah, early 2000s. But it's mostly written in the 90s, clearly, because it's kind of just trails off at the end. And it's clear that Neil kept the book from being published for a few years. <laughs> so basically, Jimmy McDonough had to really kind of like half arsely bring it up to date at mm-hmm, the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's already really front-loaded, I feel like. It Buffalo is Springfield is only like page... 300 or something yeah 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 <laughs> backloaded i guess yeah but jimmy mcdonough is like one of the reasons it's a great book is oh. because it's so critical it's so opinionated sure. in the way that only an, a hardcore fan could be mm-hmm. and so graham nash is quote graham nash is great and shaky because he's he you know he's obviously got he's seen as like the michael palin of csn <laughs> the yeah. nice guy but he's not you know he's as like arrogant and acerbic and uh, yeah. bitter as any of them and of accordingly gives some great quotes and nash is like he is kind of like the sensible one of csny the one who's like kind of business-minded and competent i guess so and he gets frustrated with neil uh Mm. neil obviously the best at doing music and undisputably the best at being a professional musician no doubt but he doesn't always you know do what's best for graham nash (laughs) okay (laughs) but nash is quoted in there as saying what about the music man and (laughs) and and jimmy mcdonough says yes graham nash often says this what about the music (laughs) what music (laughs) (laughs) csny have got yeah they've got a one proper studio album from from back in the day with neil that is there's obviously the crosby stills and nash album before that the only songs i like are fucking helpless and Ohio man I feel you know the Neil Young yeah yeah yeah. so he obviously he was writing after the gold rush at the same time as they made CSNY so he was just hoarding all his best songs (laughs) apart from Helpless for himself Uh, I've got a thing with CSNY maybe we'll come back to it later but I don't understand why if they're like a four piece vocal harmony group they're like singing in unison like 80% of the time. Find the cost of free. It's 655, 54, 50 though, which is a, the same capitalism that everybody's putting down is the capitalism that, that's, that this whole business is thriving on. Yeah, yeah. Well, I feel like they add Neil and it's just like this one voice too many and then they don't, go, they're no longer blend and it just becomes like everyone's voice sort of clashing and we're doing the Jimmy McDonough thing if we're being like super critical of Neil and his oeuvre because we love him I'm being critical about the other guys yeah yeah <laughs> fuck, fuck the other guys it's, uh, there's, there's this new book about CSNY that read it you read it? Is yeah. It good? Excellent. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. It gives you all the, the dirt on the internal traumas and yeah. the trials and tribulations. The Guardian kind of like slagged the book off because it goes on for ages after like 1970. But I'm like, I, I know about the golden era. Yeah. yeah <laughs> like yeah, yeah. I've heard those two albums. <laughs> <laughs> like I. And I know for a fact they didn't have anything to say for themselves while they were making it going off this film. Oh yeah, <laughs> of course not. Like they weren't really changing the world at the time. Not yeah. lo- not 
those particular guys. No, it was not. It was until the. <laughs> they had to wait until the Second Iraq War before they could really change the world. Oh yeah, they, but they did. Praxis. To be fair, they did stop. <laughs> they did stop the Iraq War and bring all all our boys home. <laughs> but it was, was the main thing. It's a proper money making thing, though. CSNY. It was, and I think that Neil profited greatly from getting involved in it. For sure. And 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 I would say, in fact, the greatest thing about CSNY. We profited greatly from Neil Young joining them. It gave him that push that he needed to become the massive solo star of Harvest. Right. And Harvest gave him that push he needed to do whatever the fuck he wanted for the rest of his career. To be Neil Young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. it's... Uh, to become Bernard Shakey. Yeah, it's a necessary evil. Yeah. The thing about CSNY <laughs> is that they, they, they wouldn't... Things just, like, would not be the same without them for all their foibles or their flaws. I think, you know, when I started talking about Jimmy McDonough, I was going somewhere else, but I fucking can't remember where. It was probably just a criticism of CSNY. There's a lot to criticise. Yeah. <laughs> Good book, though, Shaky. Yeah, Shaky is, is great. Like, if anyone wants to read about Neil Young, then that is the shit there. Forget his books. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Don't read those. Yeah, M- Jimmy McDonough's got more insight into Neil Young than... Neil Young has. I think though Neil Young has more to say about Neil Young the filmmaker than Jimmy McDonough has because as I was going through it today yeah it's all like one page two page and all the I mean the two pages on Human Highway are just crazy but yeah he's not interested you know fair <laughs> enough really. yeah so like where next in the canon well actually I mean very briefly do you reckon it's like so like, I have been a massive Kanye West fan for a few years I've just still not been reconciled to the fact that he's really into making clothes Oh yeah, I, mean, I just can't yeah. bring myself to care. Neil would never, and if he did, it would probably be like, hemp. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, 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 electric exactly. clothes or something. Well, yeah, I mean, Neil's. I guess with Neil, it's like cars. That's his yeah. thing that I, I'm not into. I wanna drive my car. I wanna drive my car further and further on down the road. I wanna drive my car. That's the thing with those books is he genuinely seems to see the manufacturing the electric Lincoln whatever is like his biggest achievement in his life or whatever, <laughs> more than any music he's ever made. Yeah. Fair enough, Neil. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. If, if, if you must. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I think probably that is it with Jimmy McDonough is that he doesn't want to enable Neil and get him make, spending more time making movies instead of uh, music which is again like I just I will not comment on the Yeezy shoes like I can't believe that they were actually successful I think they're probably the biggest selling shoes like in the world or don't, like, probably... buy, don't buy them yeah make him make another album yeah anyway yeah, yeah. hey maybe we'll get a new album it was supposed to come out last week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I okay. hear I'll believe it when I see I it. I want to hear the Clips reunion song. Yeah, wow. I want to hear that. It's a no cursing album. Is it? Yeah, oh, so from brilliant. what I've heard. Brilliant, like Bob Dylan. <laughs> Bob Dylan album. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, anyway, Kanye, uh, yeah. Um, but He's no Neil Young. No. Although, if he was to make a film, it would probably be, I would like it even less than Journey to He the made um, the Runaway short film. Oh, yeah, that's so, stupid. Oh, that's got some cool... It's, it has got some <laughs> it's, I think it's like Journey Through the Past again it just kind of puts in bits of mm. his great songs and stuff mm. like you'll get about half of the title track of Dark Fantasy or something I haven't been compelled to revisit it since it in like the nine years <laughs> since it came out I've not seen it in a while no, I definitely watched it uh, yeah I think that's a, a close comparison I think there are there are Kanye Neil parallels 
Jesus is the Ditch trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but, uh, yeah. And Cruel Summer is Deja Vu or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, prob- in, also in terms of being, like, too many people and not that yeah. good. But, uh, yeah. No, no. Watch the Throne is definitely Deja Vu. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. No, that makes sense. In, in that it has got some genuine highlights. Yeah, it's, it's got a couple. Yeah, not quite living up to the hype. But, yeah, okay. This isn't a Kanye uh, episode. So, where do we go next in the Neil Young? Sorry, the Bernard Shakey filmography. So, so the second film that Bernard Shakey shot was not his second film to be released because it took about seven years to come out after he shot it. But he took a bunch of his friends, Russ Tamblin, Dennis Hopper and that. Legends. To the desert with no script. And, uh, oh no, it wasn't a desert. It's like a Hollywood set. Okay. Prison. And he brought along Devo, who he thought was the greatest band in the world. Did <laughs> <laughs> that, that song is so catchy. Word, man. Yeah, that's one. Yeah, the, the theme to the film is. I've never heard the tune before. Yeah, incredibly catchy. Really, really, I really like the Evo, you know. Yeah, they're a good band. They um, made this crazy film. Nice day we're having. Yes, there's a lovely rosy glow in the valley. Oh, I'm just looking for you, Fred. Oil-rich Indians in space. The facts regarding the situation remain the same, state the authorities. Lionel, I said back up. The facts regarding the situation remain the same, state authorities. Don't you know what that means? I'm proud of you boys. I'm proud of the job that you're doing for your country. Go with the glow, boys. Go with the glow. How do you feel about that? I don't feel I'm the executive. Boy, did I go for a big trip. <laughs> yeah, so Human Highway we're talking about. Mm. It's got a star-studded cast. Well, not like literally stars, <laughs> but like like half the people would go on to be in Twin Peaks turn up in it. The Lynch parallels and yeah. trying to get them out, man. <laughs> <laughs> about the plot over here well, what, what is the plot? There's like, it's a nuclear comedy is yeah. how it's built. So there's going to be a nuclear holocaust. Yeah, yeah, there is. There's going to be a nuclear holocaust. It's all set in like a diner. Yeah, which again, very David Lynch. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it's like a closing down diner with a lot of like women crying in it. It's very, 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 very Twin Peaks. And Dean Stockwell's the boss. Yeah. So, you know, here we go. It's, they're just coming thick and fast. Is there a great friend of Neil's, Dean Stockwell? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, actually, it's Amber Tamblin, who's Russ Tamblin's daughter. Mm-hmm. She talks a lot about how growing up it was all Neil, Dean Stockwell, Dennis Hopper were like uncles to her, like kind of uh, secondary father. What figures. a weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it takes place in, uh, what's it called, Linear Valley. <laughs> And, um, Neil's wacky sense of humor. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. There's a lot of like bad jokes in this film that I'm like, oh, you know what? I'll give it the laugh. Or yeah, I, can't, I quite still, like. They the tried hard jokes. writing that joke or whatever, but then <laughs> no, apparently there wasn't a script. Apparently, <laughs> making it all up. So they all work in this diner. Neil's a mechanic with Russ Tamblin, and Neil like idolizes this rock star. 
also played by Neil. Yeah, who's based on like David Crosby and he's like freebasing in the back of the limo. <laughs> <laughs> Neil was really like, <laughs> he was judgmental about Crosby's yeah. crippling drug addiction. Yeah, meow, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> he did ban people from like drinking on tour a couple of times and stuff like that. I feel like he's a bit intolerant with this kind of stuff, Neil. Probably, I think it was after Danny Whitten died, right. just before the Time Fades Away tour. Of course. That Neil was like, I'm not going to have musicians around me if they can't keep their shit together so i think the early poncho era of crazy horse Mm. everyone was a bit fucked up but i think neil kind of tolerated it because Mm -hmm. that was just the vibe they were going for but i yeah i think a lot of the time he's always got a very particular vision of what he wants and if somebody else is letting that down then he's not gonna suffer fools gladly that's definitely what it is i think in all aspects even with his filmmaking you know he's like fuck it we're making this film it's gonna look like wizard of oz you know it's on a real set it's gonna be really colorful with all these like terrible visual effects (laughs) you know but you can't stop him he's neil young he's coming out in shaky pictures yeah i don't know didn't don't think it was like financially crippled him you know i'm sure he just went on tour and was able to pay the rent or whatever the ranch (laughs) (laughs) neil owned that ranch i wonder who owns the ranch now because peggy got it in the divorce and obviously now peggy has sadly passed away so the broken arrow ranch could be just like owned by some rich fuck or something now almost certainly is some like dot-com billionaire or something property developer yeah 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 for sure building like a bunch of luxury condos on it oh it'll be called like harvest valley or something oh that knocking down the barn where they recorded fucking harvest and putting like just yeah condos probably probably Uh, emma and i were wondering about the ranch and what's going to happen with it And I figured, you know, I read an interview with Neil in 2016 after he'd got divorced from Peggy, but when she was still alive. And Neil said that Ben Young, his son, who, as we mentioned earlier, has severe cerebral palsy and is non-verbally communicated and paraplegic, he lives on the ranch, or did in 2016, and had all his kind of uh, supports there, like all his support systems. So presumably actually peggy would have probably left the ranch to her and neil's kids in her will so probably i would imagine actually that it's still if not owned by neil in the young family and that ben young would live there so yeah that's what i hope anyway that would be so much better than like some real estate fucks having it well that's kind of what human highway is about well it's not really but it's kind of about how everything's going to shit and how like we're losing natural beauty yeah. In favour of... That's a Neil Young song. Yeah, it's true. It's a good song. It's all <laughs> about, like, there's, like, a really weird scene with, like, a comedy, like, shake. <laughs> and there's, like, all this, like, gasoline versus, like, nuclear energy stuff going on. Yeah. Devo are around. they got Bougie Boy in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. And they're just, like... I don't know what they're doing, really. They glow because they all work in the nuclear plant. And then they basically come in to tell people, like, oh, watch out because the world's going to end. And Boogie Boy says... I can't do the voice. He sounds like that rapper. <laughs> sick. 645AR. <laughs> this planet's got the shits and it's about to blow. So dig that hole and dance, you know. And then they do the big dance sequence or whatever. Bougie Boy, he's played by Devo's Mark Mothersbaugh, isn't mm, he? Yeah, yeah. Who yeah. in another film connection would later go on to become a film composer himself. Yeah. Scoring, I think, most of Wes Anderson's movies. Yeah. Does he still do Wes Anderson's movies or is it Alexander Desplat who does them? Now? He definitely did the. Grand Budapest Hotel, didn't he? 
mother's mother's the, book. The, the splat, the splat. Yeah, because I feel like if anything, it's kind of Wes Anderson moving away from. I mean, he's always been like a homespun American. Stuff yeah, a bit, yeah, this kind of like poppy pop culture steeped feel mm. to a more kind of ornate and orchestrated, and I think not as enjoyable kind of. Actually, Grand Budapest Hotel I found very funny. But I like the, that. But the two films on either side of it, I wasn't as, as enamoured with. Well, like Moonrise Kingdom the best, I think. Interesting. I mean, maybe I'll revisit it. Anyway, we're not talking about it. Yeah, detour, yeah. Mulholland Drive, Lost Highway, there's a big break between fantasy and reality in the middle of the film. So formally bizarre. <laughs> and this sequence was all shot in one night, okay. where Neil played a show with Devo, they play really well in some like club, it's like a small club show, Neil's wearing like all white, he's taken off his glasses and his hoops, and he look, looks like proper rock star, and the, then there's this bit where like, Neil's like nerdy character is like rocking out, and then... There's this like very Lynchian sequence where he like, gets given a milk bath. Do you remember this? Milk. Do you remember this? And it's just got Neil getting like milk poured all over it. <laughs> but I like I don't No man, this. come on, come on. Fuck. <laughs> 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 you, there's a whole yeah, there's a milkman called Earl in the film. He's like way more virile than Neil, so he's really like sexually jealous of him. And you have the milk So then he has this fantasy where it's Sally Kirkland. I don't know, she's like pouring milk all over him or whatever. They shot that that night, then they went to the studio with Devo and they were all clearly like fucking high. Neil was following the Milky Way. Even yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And they played a song he was working on at the time, Hey Hey My My, yeah. which was previously just like an acoustic song. And they play this really raw version with Bougie Boy doing the vocals. Barnstorming, like you've killer Proper. guitar on it from Neil. Yeah, that's the real like one note Neil solo. The one time he actually did it, it was going. Yeah. For the whole thing. That, that would be a pivotal recording for Neil, wouldn't it? Yeah, that influenced how they did the famous Into the Black electric version of Rotten Never Yeah, which is obviously one of his greatest albums. Definitely. Just around the corner, in fact.
in fact, before Human Highway would come out, mm. he released a concert movie of Russ Never Sleeps, mm. which is, I mean, I, it's partly notable because he's got what he termed the road eyes running about in it, which are these like little, um, see, I'm not big on like Star Wars and stuff, I think they're like Ewoks, or is that the kind of thing? I think it's Jawas. I'm also not big on Star Wars, guys, promise, promise, promise. <laughs> but I think it is Jawas. Yeah, well, anyway. They um, actually had their faces blacked up at the time, which is a bit crazy. A detail I found out this morning. Oh, movie. wow. A bit raw, yeah, he got all his roadies black in their faces, so they could only see the eyes under their... Not outright blackface. So. Well, I guess not. not Maybe he's not just full on true. No, it's not like they take. Not it's just an on. honourable Canadian tradition <laughs> <laughs> passed down from generation to generation. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I did not know that. Yeah, I mean, there's just so many weird things. I mean, this is like Neil could do again. I guess whatever he wanted. Huge amps. Massive. So like the Who, they developed like the massive like Marshall stacks, right? Mm. And then I guess few years later Neil was like alright fuck that we're gonna have amps literally like 50 foot high or whatever <laughs> yeah. and I think it's a case of you hear about like I, think, I heard a story about I think it's Alicia Keys who like goes around the world with like an electric piano like a Nord but also a massive wooden grand piano case so <laughs> she just puts the electric piano in that so it looks like she's playing grand piano like oh, that all around the world wow, okay. so I think partly they must have made this film they didn't do that many shows on the no. Because it's got such a crazy production. Yeah, it was just um, an American tour, wasn't it? Yeah. And like 15 minutes of this is just like... What I like about it is they do put a lot of emphasis on the stage crew and it's not just about Neil Young and the band. Yeah, it's yeah. about the staging of the concert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I think is really cool. Yeah, and, and it's just, I mean, on a musical level, it's a classic like entry point for people wanting to get into Neil Young. For sure. I'm, I'm, I remember it airing on Sky Arts back in the day, and it's you know it's got the acoustic set, mm. which is interesting as well because Neil's got the wireless mic and he's wandering around the stage the while he does it. First ever wireless mic. Wow. <clears throat> and it caused a lot of problems on the tour because it was like <laughs> yeah, they were running off like a really illegal radio frequency or whatever. <laughs> so like sometimes the wireless mic would get interrupted. I love that though, how they unveil these massive amps yeah. and like crazy electronics and then Neil's just like plays the first eight songs on an acoustic guitar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then of course he brings out the horse and they do a really just tight and, mm. you know, this mm. is the horse at their tightest, I think, at their most kind of professional sounding. Yeah, they're really going for it, I think. They powder finger. Yeah, and stuff. they sound like a professional and much less sloppy, much more kind of uh, straightforwardly energetic hard rock bands. Mm. Uh, not in a bad way, or that they sound commercial or sanitized or anything. Just tight, powerful arena filling sound. Mm. You know.
then they would take it even further on Weld, just over a decade later. Yeah, which is the other Neil Young directed concert film. Yeah. I didn't manage to watch that for this because I think it's only available on videotape. Yeah, I've not rewatched it. I mean, the album is terrific. The album's got that brilliant blowing in the wind cover man with the, yeah man with the sirens on it and stuff like that i think also one of the best versions of crime in the city from brilliant, freedom brilliant song that because it's a that. bit too slick on freedom uh-huh. and that and the horse really give it some bite that's, that's got to be one of his most like overdubbed songs I'm yeah sure. it's got all sorts of random instrumental parts yeah. on freedom and there's a few good versions of that there's like a 20 minute version with like 18 verses from the Blue Notes tour in Wow, I should listen to that. Actually. Yeah, that sounds cool. Well, if you like ordinary people, then I, the long crime in the city is it's one uh, of my favourite Neil songs. Yeah, it really complements that. We're actually recording on the thirtieth anniversary of Freedom. That album. Oh, sick! Yeah, nice man. Facts. Oh, good well, album. Okay, well, good so album. see, that is that is a good album. I don't think it had a corresponding film release, did it? No, I guess Weld was around sure. that time or whatever. Yeah, that, that was, was the brilliant. Two track. years later. One thing I would say about Weld is it has those superimpositions of a barking dog or like a, an eagle going like, which is like, in the arena must have been a bit annoying. <laughs> but also something, you know, Neil gets that idea and he just like tries Let's to refine it, shit, yeah. like still, Earth was only a couple of years ago. Earth was an interesting album, that, that obviously had animal sounds. Yes. Peace. Pretty fucking good album, though. Yeah, yeah, I really like her. Peace. You know, I didn't notice at the time. Peace. But this was pointed out in, I think it was the CSNY book you were talking mm-hmm. about. Peace. I think David Brown wrote it. But basically, one of the songs that really surprisingly appears on Earth is this song called Hippie Dream, which mm-hmm. is a song Neil wrote for his terrible Landing on Water album in the 80s. It's a good song though, it's one of the highlights of Landing on Water, even though the production is awful. Mm-hmm. That song was written about the then crack adult beyond repair David Crosby. In- incidentally, a mere... The then crack adult beyond repair David. Unfortunately, by 2016, when Earth came out, the thing that was beyond repair was not Crosby's health so much as his relationship with Neil Young. Mm.
2014, Neil had got divorced from his wife of many years, Peggy Young, and he got together with Daryl Hannah. And Crosby, who miraculously has been married for a very long time, so clearly somebody can tolerate him, was very smug about this in an interview, and he described Daryl Hannah as a purely poisonous predator, which is a, not a very nice thing to say, and Neil was... Uh, the alliteration's a bit on the nose. It is. GCSE English. Yeah, and Neil, I mean, Neil's still... At, he, he said, actually, recently he's forgiven Crosby, but then after that he wrote a post on the Neil Gum archives, which suggested he's still really angry about this, because he said, even long-term friends uh, betrayed me over this in a way that I never expected, in a way that ended one of my long-term musical collaborations forever. Anyway, he clearly included Hippie Dream on Earth just to get back at David Crosby. Loving all these Crosby subliminals. Yeah. It's so good. I want to watch this new documentary about Crosby. Though. Well, I don't want to watch it because I don't want to spend 90 minutes just with David Crosby. Really dislike him, but it looks quite interesting. It's all about how his life's like falling apart. Yeah, everyone hates. Really friends, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jason Isbell seems quite. I guess because Jason Isbell's a younger guy and he admires Crosby uh, yeah. for his place in music, so he will still give him the time of day. He's got a terrible Twitter account, David Crosby. He's got a real he like, has. Uh, I don't know who I compared it to in the political sphere. Eddie Morrison. Yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that's that's yeah, what yeah, immediately yeah, came yeah, to mind. Yeah. And the annoying thing is, like, again, before Corbyn, Eddie Morrison was kind of sound. David Crosby, politically, he endorsed Sanders in 2016. Hmm. Now he loves Mayor Pete. Another flower child goes to sea in an ether-filled room of meat hooks. Really? He's obsessed with Pete Booty Butty Jed. Wow. He love he fucking loves him. Why? It's bizarre. It's it, he's like says, oh, he was in the military and stuff. Right. And we'll, when we get to CSNY Deja Vu, we'll, we can talk about the weird valorization of the military that you get from these ex-hippies. It's a big, big theme, isn't it? So <laughs> bizarre. So, but there's, my God, there's that speech that Stills gives in a, a Democrat fundraiser in CSNY. That's how he spends all his time on tour, just it's, going to little private fundraisers. It's terrifying. His speech is mm. literally just him yelling that this guy picked up a gun to defend us in the army. Therefore, he would be a good candidate. <laughs> That's literally what he says, and it's and he phrases it in such a violent way as well. Pick up a gun and take up arms against other people to defend us. That's why. La, 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 la. <laughs> just yeah, oh, find the cost of freedom, eh, Stephen? Yeah. It's mad. They should have just stuck to environmentalism, like Neil. Like you say, what you will about his politics. I don't think he's very like politically like minded. Yeah. He's found his cause and he's like stuck to it and kind of made his whole shit about that. I think Neil's moved to the left a bit maybe since CSNY Deja Vu came okay. out. I think Daryl Hannah has been an influence on him politically for the better. Nice one, Daryl. Uh, because they met 
that during environmental protests, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. And then through the environmental protests, Neil got involved in stuff that is still environmental, but stuff like the Standing Rock protest, yeah, right, okay, yeah, where yeah. he's gone and shown solidarity with Native American communities. Mm. And so I think that his activism on the environment has given him a bit of a wider perspective in recent years. An ideology, if you yeah, will. That, yeah, that's enabled him. And also, I think it's just the fact that with Donald Trump just turning politics into kind of, you know, repugnant absurdity mm. on a real surface level, I think that now it's kind of expected that celebrities be political in a way it wasn't in, like, 2006. So, uh-huh. so Neil is much more outspoken on a whole variety of issues, like economic inequality like neil supports bernie yeah yeah yeah, yeah. neil's yeah. not endorsed fucking mayor pete <laughs> he's even saying he wants to get american citizenship so he can vote pretty cool yeah in a way also get well soon bernie yeah absolutely, uh, absolutely. Things to say about human highways. Yeah, yeah. I'm terrible at keeping to chronological order. Totally fine. My mind shoots in directions. Like, uh, oh, it's like reading, uh, well, waging heavy peace. Oh, God, yeah. Right, I'm just off to do some gardening now. (laughs) I might start smoking weed again. No, my life is great since I stopped smoking weed, but now apparently smoking weed. I heard he started smoking weed again, like, fairly soon after. That's what the whole book's about. It's like, just constantly, like, hmm. It's a bit weird not smoking weed. I smoked so much, such nice joints in the seventies. <laughs> but he talks about human highway quite a lot in Waging Heavy Peace. It's like, mm. oh yeah, we had a really good time making that. Some people didn't have a good time though. Sally Kirkland definitely didn't have a good time. Do you really? know about this? No, I don't think so. There was so. a Dennis Hopper. Obviously, was like this was after the last movie, real like in the pits of his career. He yeah. was like so he, adult. Yeah, he'd had to go off to Top. Germany to do the American Friend and mm. stuff in order to That's get film, roles. Man. It is actually he'd done some like independent American movies in the late seventies, like Tracks, a Henry Jaglum film. Oh yeah, and also. Fuck, I've forgotten what it's called, but he went to Australia to do a movie as well in that time. So, yeah, his career was in the fucking pits. Directing the last movie had fucked his career as an actor as well as a director. Well, it fucked his career way more than what happened here did. He was just, like, going crazy. I don't even know what happened. I could get out shaky and find out. But basically, something happened and Sally Kirkland, the actress, who, like, her scenes in this movie are straight out of, like, Cassavetti. just, like, real... Mm really suffering clearly like having a horrible time on set yeah yeah she got like stabbed in the hand when she was like fighting with dennis hopper over something like that they had a hot they all got taken to court this was like years and years later or whatever fuck and i think she'd lost the trial there's one kind of there's one kind of funny anecdote where in shaky they talk about how like in the trial they have to describe what the film's about and the (laughs) defendant couldn't do it (laughs) (laughs) do you reckon a bernie bernard shaker Bernard, Bernard Shaky films have unionised crews. Or I don't think they have crews to speak of <laughs> yeah. whatsoever. I think they might all just be sort of pseudonyms for Neil Young under different yeah. different roles or whatever. But yeah, that's a pretty mad thing to have happened. I that feel. is pretty mad. And the film didn't come out for seven years <laughs> for various reasons. But now it's been restored and re-released on Blu-ray. Yeah. A- any any film's time will come, you know. Definitely. <laughs> Wait long enough. Definitely. That's what the whole Blu-ray market is about now, you know. It's not yeah. about like new films coming out. It's all about trying to find that niche film that you can actually exactly. sell to like exactly. 200, 300 people. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's a good sample in this film that you should take for the episode where Boogie Boy says, do you feel it, comrades? Which oh, is, uh, Nice. Which is nice. I don't know what's going on in the world these days. 
seems like everybody's just got everything turned around. People don't seem to care about their fellow men. They're all just going for that big ice cream cone in the sky. They haven't figured out what happens when your eyes get bigger than your belly. Like an ostrich who eats his pizza with his head stuck in the sand. If they can't see it, it isn't there. It was shot by, by David Myers. What's he done? He's a cinematographer, right? Yeah. His filmography includes Ross Never Sleeps, cool. Shadows and Light, the Joni Mitchell film, oh, cool. The Last Waltz, Ronaldo and Clara, What Stacks. Are you seeing a pattern emerging here? <laughs> Real, he, he knows how to film rock and roll. He only made rock movies. He was like a professional cinematographer who oh. only did, and this was like before music video era and stuff like that. Yeah. So I guess he was like the go-to guy for all these LA record I, companies. Yeah, who... I mean, I've heard Shadows and Light, the album, because mm. it captures my favourite period of Joni Mitchell's career. Was that Courtney's Spot time? No, I think that's, so I think she did a live album called, I think, Miles of Isles, yeah, which that's, is from McCourtney's Spot era. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. then Shadows and Light captures her jazzier period in the mid to late 70s. Oh, like uh, when, Hedgira. Yeah, exactly. When Jaco Pistorius was playing bass for her. And that is, I've not seen the film, but great live album. Some of my favourite music ever, I feel. Yeah. Anyway. I don't know. I don't know what to say about fucking Human Highway Man. Yeah. It's, it's a film about like environmental disaster and really cheesy 80s, like 1941 <laughs> style comedy. Yeah. Neil's I, acting, I really like. I think he's cute, sort of a Rick Moranis style character. But it's, it's very goofy. Yeah. Very wacky. Yeah. <laughs> Got some annoying jokes. There's a bit where he's like singing the song from West Side Story to <laughs> Russ Tamblin or whatever. It's like, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> it's very short as well. It's well under an hour and a half. Hour yeah. And 20 minutes or something, maybe. Uh, a push. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, for sure. And I'm sure there's a three hour version. Maybe, or maybe they Fuck. put every single frame of film they managed to actually get their shit together and shoot. Let me just check, like, <laughs> is this an extended version? Because, yeah, this is, so this is the director's cut, and it's 80 minutes long. Right, okay, brilliant. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it could be, like, Paul Schrader's director's cut of Dying of the Light, of Dark. Dark. Yeah, yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. Where it's much shorter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although, yeah, to be yeah. fair, this is licensed, unlike Dark, where <laughs> Schrader literally had to <laughs> use negatives and shit. Right. <laughs> but, oh, what a cast, honestly. Yeah, seriously, you're looking at these faces on the back. I mean, Boogie Boy is just there, Boogie Boy or whatever. But, yeah, it's the real classic Stockwell, Hopper, Tamblin crew you know yeah and it's just like if i mean if you like sort of weird 80s cult film stuff that's kind of like on the periphery of lynch and hopper and and, and shit like that then like i think human highway should be part of your arsenal of films that you've, you've got in your head that you've seen you for know? sure especially if you like lynch as you said the twin yeah. peaks comparisons don't end no don't end and the tagline for it is when love and fate collide What's that got to do with the plot of the film? Couldn't tell you. I hope. I'd, well, Neil obviously didn't write that, but then I don't know who like the cigar chomping executive at Shaky Pictures is, who's like coming up with these. L.A. Johnson. Oh, I guess so. Yeah. He was, I uh, guess so. Actually, Neil's yeah. film producer, wasn't he? Yeah, it was. So it was him and Amit. 
Ertegun of both producers on that film. Okay. Which is kind of mad. Yeah. Oh, well, Emma Ertegun is a huge music industry. Yeah, figure. real, real pro. I yeah. I didn't think he'd be associated with something like this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but there is the, so the, the end of the shoot had Neil and all the crew linked up with like a bunch of like First Nations, like Native American people. And they have the sequence soundtrack by going back the first tune off comes a time. Yeah. Where they're all just like setting fire to all the cameras. And it's shot on eight millimeter and you can't really see so it's clearly shot on like a way worse camera than the cameras that are like burning and like dancing around. Yeah. And I guess it's supposed to be like a point. But it all takes place in a dream sequence. So I don't know. Maybe. Well, um, I mean Neil's always I think had an affinity for the Native Americans. Definitely. Definitely. Always felt sympathy towards them. Yeah. Even if it's not till around the time of Peace Trail or of the Standing Rock protests, because the live stuff he did a few years before that, but he really articulated it as, yeah. a, as a kind of political issue rather than just... Far away from being, I want to fuck Pocahontas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, although even in Pocahontas, there's... Uh... Awareness is the thing, you know. <laughs> yeah. I love Pocahontas. I'm sad that that brilliant is the crazy horse people playing it on acoustic guitars that clip on youtube from the russ never sleeps tour isn't in russ never sleeps the film oh wow i'd see i don't know if i've even seen it's that. really really good i'd, no, I'd, I'd like to see that mm. actually mm. but if it, yeah, if it is on youtube then that would mm. be really good to check out so i think have we covered human highway I think I think we're really run, running out of things. I'm running out of things. Yeah, so yeah, I, I, I am. We've gone, we said more than anyone has ever needed to say anything. Yeah, yeah, no one's ever talked about human highway. <laughs> Even Neil probably <laughs> just had his minions trot out the Blu-ray release. Yeah, didn't seriously. have to think about it too much. <laughs> In 1980, around the time of Human Highway and Russ Never Sleeps, Neil was featured on the soundtrack of another film, Dennis Hopper's third film as a director, 1980's Out of the Blue, which is a brilliant and harrowing film, his best non-Easy Rider film as a director. It's about a punk rock girl who comes from a broken family i think her mother's maybe dead and her dad is a an abusive prisoner played by hopper himself who gets out of prison dennis hopper was not meant to direct this film it was originally that he was just going to appear in it and someone else was going to direct it but the director pulled out hopper got the job and i think he really proved himself as a director here although it didn't do his career very much good. Neil's My My Hey Hey Out of the Blue is featured on the soundtrack, like it's a recurring musical motif throughout the film. I mean, it's a real punk rock movie. It's about this kind of punk rock kid. She's a real Johnny Rotten type. She loves the Sex Pistols and she fucking loves Elvis as well. And Hey Hey My My, Johnny Rotten and The King. So what more could you want? He's got, speaking of his 80s weird tech-infused projects, he's got a trans movie coming out at some point, hasn't he? Seriously? An animated film based on trans. I love trans. I think it's a brilliant record. Trans is great. I think there's a slight thing where people who are dismissive of Neil's catalogue will be like, I really like trans, and it's like, 
fuck you, man. Yeah, that's what, like the first and more's favorite Neil Young album or something. Like that. I mean, is it? Well, I mean, all right. Well, first and more, to be fair, like has I know I know for a fact that he has a great appreciation of the Neil Young catalog. Of course, of course. there's nothing just even as a guitarist. Yeah, guitar there's album. there's nothing wrong with loving trans because it is a great and adventurous record, or at least for like electronic stuff on it is mm, not the, the bongos. No, not a little thing called love or <laughs> hold on to your love yeah. or uh, no. I mean, like an Inca is good actually. Uh, of the non-electronic tracks. It's just a good song. Just though. a good song. Yeah, yeah and uh, recently been resurrected as a live song, actually. Oh, yeah, by, that's by right. Promise it? of a Real. Yeah. I've got a good 20-minute version of it from one of Neil's live streams that he did on his website. Oh, nice. Uh, I want to make one comment about a real heartbreaking moment at the Neil Young and Promise of the Real show that we were both at. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where Neil was doing his crazy, well, it's just his classic lone wolf, like, making jokes just for himself thing, where, like, he's getting to the end of the set, I was like, oh, I hope you play something off tonight's tonight. And he's like, it's too dark. And starts oh. singing, roll another number. I'm like, yeah. And then it's like, oh, wait, the sun's still shining. So he plays, was it Piece of Crap? Piece of Crap. Off Sleeps with Angels or whatever. I, was, I mean, that song's fun or whatever, but I was like, why? <laughs> it's a piece of crap. Why really? are you going to do that? <laughs> roll another number for the road is like one of the greatest songs yeah, of man. all time. And Piece of Crap is not. It's it's alright, it's not wrong another number. <laughs> no, it's not. In terms of kind of like fun and inconsequential songs from his catalogue, I'll take Roll Another Number any time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I think the one issue though, I'm repeating real politic material here because this was on the review of the gig that we did, but uh, I'd already like smoked the three zoots that I designated for Neil's set at that point, so I didn't actually have a number to have... smoke during the song. <laughs> so it wouldn't have been as good for me. So it's actually a good thing you didn't play that tune. Yeah, I had two more zoots and I needed them for Bob's set. It's too dark. He was loving quite it. A he was in a great mood. Yeah. Like, during uh, Like a Rolling Stone, he was like, Come on, everybody now! <laughs> <laughs> I even saw some art, some like scurrilous trash website was like, Dylan seemed frail and ill at his Hyde Park show. I'm like, No, he Rock. didn't. Have you ever seen a Dylan show? <laughs> like, he, he, you know, he was actually, He was dancing. Like. Yeah, he was like walking around the stage doing little jigs. Shot four men and a cocaine deal. And he left him lying in an open field full of old cars with bullet holes in the mirrors. He tried to do his best, but he could not. Please take my advice. 
Well, this moment from Jimmy McDonough's shaky about the production history of Human Highway, I think, does give us quite a big insight into what Neil's like as a guy and what really matters to him at the expense of what he literally doesn't give a fuck about what anyone else thinks about him. Yeah. <laughs> so, talking about one of the extras in Human Highway, a face from the past, the Doctor, fresh from a prison term, for his role in the Topanga slayings that it's inspired the Oh, fuck, the Doctor! Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. So yeah, that's yeah. A, a legendary drug dealer yeah, who appears yeah. in Shaky. Young gave him a new start by putting him in the film, but unfortunately, Keel Martin, one of the other actors, boasted the Doctor's past to the rest of the cast and crew. Martin tells everybody on the set I'm a convicted murderer. Everyone starts looking at me a little weird. I got upset and didn't come back to one of the rehearsals. <laughs> then Neil came to me personally and said, Don't let it bone you out. You're in the big shot. I need you. I walked back on the set and 47 people applaud. Neil was a real stand-up guy to put me in there. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter about it. <laughs> Neil's just like, look, it's cool that you're a murderer, man. <laughs> you're going to be in this classic film. I don't know, though. Doesn't it sound earlier on in Shaky, there's a bit that suggests that the Doctor got kind of like stitched up a bit? Well, it's really interesting and really... I need to reread that bit, to be honest. Because yeah. Was, I mean, Tired Eyes, that whole story is pretty fascinating. Yeah, 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 that's the song Tired Eyes, which opens with a line where they shot four men in a cocaine deal. That's inspired by the Doctor's story. Mm. Incidentally, I um, met a dealer called the Doctor recently. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Murderer? Or... No, not, not to my knowledge. No casualties. Could have been, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I just spoke to his middleman, actually. Okay, yeah. The, the nurse or something. <laughs> 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 Alright, so we last were with Neil Young in the 1980s, weren't we? Yeah. Oh no, sorry, because he did weld in the early 90s. In the middle of his grand filmmaking hiatus, Terence Malick style. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, in fact, covering much of the same period as Malick. However, Neil Young was documented in this time. Mm. There was Neil Young-related stuff in your local multiplex. I have it on DVD upstairs, I don't think I've got it down here with me, but there was Year of the Horse. So good. Which was Jim Jarmusch's movie that he directed in 97, and it documents the 96 Crazy Horse tour for the Broken Arrow album, which I think is such an underrated record. Mm. Because mm. he did the Dead Man soundtrack like the year before, right? Yeah, with Jarmusch. And great Jarmusch film. Mm. Ralph Molina on drums, vocals. Francisco San Pedro de Victoria, guitar player, comedian. My name is Billy Talbot. I'm the bass player in the band known as Neil Young and Crazy Horse. Neil Young, Neil Percival Young, and I am a guitar player in the band Crazy Horse. 
Year of the Horse by Jim Jarmusch also features a lot of footage from a documentary that Neil directed about Crazy Horse's 1987 tour for their Life album. Life's not a great album, and it really wasn't a great time for the band. I've seen Muddy Track because Neil's shown it on his archives website's Hearst Theatre feature a couple of times where he shows his various cinematic work. It shows the horse in a real rough period. They can't provide the kind of music that Neil wants. And Neil is being a very domineering and tyrannical boss, even more than usual. There's a kind of screaming match he has with Ralph Molina at one point because Ralph isn't singing the harmony in Cortez the Killer right. Bleak movie. I think that scene actually features in Year of the Horse. I think a lot of people probably would have watched that thinking it was from that 97 tour, but I think things were a bit more sanguine on that tour. I think it was 87 when it was really a bit of a shit time and Muddy Track documents all of that. Let's try the dancing across the water. Cause no, that, why? That's been great. <clears throat> that's been fine. That's not been really good. I'm not gonna, I, I can't why sing Why stop like singing? Because I'm going to double Ralph's part, he's going to get mad at me. I'll, I'll no, double. no, no, Listen, you're not. I say if you want to double, that's cool, but don't don't tell me to sing a different part than I've been singing. Because, you know. Well, I don't, the the dancing point, across the water has been yeah, sounding really good. Sometimes we get do three it. parts, and I don't understand what it is. And sometimes we have three parts on, and I know she's living there, and the women all were so beautiful. Well, let's review the tapes. You know, there's three parts the on them sometimes. I bet you there isn't. Well, like you said on the live album, I never remember singing three parts. I remember last night when, oh, when it got really quiet on Dancing Across the Water, we had three part harmony. That's Dancing Across okay, the so Water. Okay, so what's wrong? And it's the same way. And it, and no, it's, it's not out. the same way in the rest of the part. Let's try it on Dancing Across the Water just for a minute. Dancing Across the Water. Let's do Let's hear them now. Okay, so there's a I, I know she's living there. She just sound like right there. cool, clear water. Sound like the... <laughs> and I know she's living there. See? Well, don't. He's doing a lower part. You just did a higher part on the dance. So what, Billy? I, you know, I say... Uh, it's it. just stubborn. That's what no, it is No, no, it isn't. No, no. Because just on that one part, Ralph. Okay, asshole. <laughs> okay, you get it. I'm sorry. I'm trying to make it sound pretty. It sounds, sounds great. Sounds great. I won't sing on those parts. That Try. Is. It's right. No, not when I'm. You mean on the dancing across the water? No, I'll sing on those parts. Oh, good. That sounds good. Let Ralph sing the other I said part. If you want to double me, we go ahead sang. and double me. Double me too. Double right. Ralph. Double Whatever anybody. you want to do. Just don't try to move his part because the high part is not happening. Yeah, if it wasn't it happening. In uh, it sounds just part. like dancing across the water when we hit it, those three parts. The same harmonies. And, it's, and, and, and the women all are beautiful. And, we and hold the them. women all are beautiful. Except I can't do it. Okay, That's okay. Do it, no. But I'm not going to do it. I don't want you to do it. Where the fuck it. are you going? I'm not, Didn't I'm you call this rehearsal? No, you did. No, uh, <laughs> oh, I have it on tape. I suggested that. I have it on tape the other day. I, I, you know, we could always just cut right back now to when you were sitting here all saying we've got to have a vocal rehearsal. Okay. Oh, this is great. This is like, you know, Poindexter's Revenge or something. <laughs> I just want to make it sound okay. that way. It doesn't no, matter. It sounds to me, good. It sounds good anyway, Ralph, and I love you. And I don't care. Why are you been talking to me about it for three fucking days? Because I wanted to hear, I've heard it. We've done it. That's why. And it Fine. sounded so fucking good. Well, and then I when we don't it. do it, it blows my mind. Well, then sing it. 
freak me out one night. I can't get up that high like that yeah, and make it sound good. Year of the Horse is sick. I love the version of Pocahontas, like the full band. Oh, really yeah. slow. And that's all shot on handheld video cameras as well, isn't it? But Year of the Horse is like extreme horse. Yeah. It's so... Their sound on that tour had got like all the energy of Weld had dissipated mm. and they sound sluggish and lethargic. But I still <laughs> I still enjoy it. Yeah, it is extremely cool slow, way. isn't it? It's sludge metal horse. Yeah. I guess I love Mirable, the Pearl Jam record. Mm. Those performances are really sick. So I'm like, I guess like Neil always brings a bit back to the band he's in or whatever. It's like, oh, I want you to play more like Devo or I want you to play more like Pearl Jam or whatever. Yeah. But that's a great tour. It's an interesting film as well because it's obviously, I mean, it's called Year of the Horse and it's not a film about Neil Young. It's a film about the band, right. Neil Young and Crazy Horse. Neil's in there saying, oh, it should be Crazy Horse rather than Neil Young and Crazy Horse, really. And it's like, well, why don't you take your name off the ticket, then, Neil? Why don't, why, why don't you test that out? <laughs> I think probably the funniest thing about Year of the Horse is Roger Ebert's review, which uh, <laughs> was a one-starer. So this is Ebert in October 1997 talking about Year of the Horse. He says, This is not a fly-on-the-wall documentary. Jarmish's interviews take place in a laundry room where the band members and Young's father sit on a straight chair and meditate on the band's long and lonely road. Young muses on the trail of destruction I've left behind me and there is solemn mention of departed band members. Neil once said they were dropping like flies. These seances are intercut with concert footage, during which the band typically sings the lyrics through once, and then gets mired in endless loops of instrumental repetition that seem positioned somewhere, and this is not very progressive of Ebert here, somewhere between mantras and autism. The music is shapeless, graceless, and built from rhythm, not melody. That's the first time anyone's uh, really accused the horse of being um, groovy in a, in a kind of way, I guess. It is amusing, given the undisciplined sound, to eavesdrop later as they argue in a van about whether they were all following the same arrangement. Yeah, and it's just great to witness Roger Ebert's bafflement. Just total and utter confusion at the, at the monolithic beast that is Crazy Horse. And he sums up his review in a paragraph that I probably poached for an observation, which you probably just heard in the episode. So he concludes, If there is a theme to the band's musings, it is astonishment that they have been playing together for so long. They play with other groups, but when they come together they say, There is a fusion. With touching self-effacement, Young tells Jarmusch, the band is called Neil Young and Crazy Horse, but I know it's really Crazy Horse. My new jacket says Crazy Horse. The others say Neil Young and Crazy Horse, but mine just says Crazy Horse. Yes, Ebert says, but wouldn't the point come across a little better if theirs just said Crazy Horse too? I like Crazy Horse by Crazy Horse. They've got a lot of good non-Neil Young and Crazy Horse music, I feel about two albums because all right so <laughs> okay, okay, so there's okay. cra- there's crazy horse uh, right there, yeah so there's crazy horse for one with nils lofgren on yeah the first album with danny witten with danny witten singing vocals yeah, yeah the only one that was released while danny witten was alive although there's that album by the original crazy horse called the rockets yeah yeah, was, yeah. Uh, the band before neil poached their mm-hmm. rhythm section mm-hmm. and that's quite good as well actually for uh, wild record for 1968 
And then in 78, there's another Crazy Horse record called Crazy Moon, by which time Poncho had joined the band. Mm. So that's actually... Oh, the... okay, that's when... Did he join on Zuma or did he join... He, he joined, yeah, in time for Zuma, right. yeah. Right, okay, yeah, yeah. Pretty close to Crazy Moose, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Crazy Moon. We haven't mentioned Crazy Moose in an hour and a bit, man. Oh shit! No, we haven't. Well, I'm, well, I, I guess I'm keeping my powder dry for when I when I show you uh, what the moose has been up to. Don't spook the moose. Yeah, exactly. Don't <laughs> spook the moose, man. But yeah, Crazy Moon is the other good Crazy Horse album. With some Poncho originals on it. Mm, I listen to that. Uh, yeah, and then their other albums are all just like Billy and Ralph with like random people and terrible production. That one you showed me. Well, that was quite recent, wasn't it? Oh, there's the yeah the Phil Lee one, the mm-hmm. horse he rode in on and also actually ian mcnab the liverpool singer-songwriter made great use of billy and ralph on his head like a rock album in 94 mm. um, yeah, check that out but no no poncho on most of those records. no poncho no in fact it's i think i think that is a thing of billy and ralph poncho has obviously actually left crazy horse now he's retired but i think even before that he was unwilling to play with people other than neil Mm, uh, under okay. the horse bracket he thought that it should be something exclusively for neil whereas ralph and billy thought that not only should they make music as crazy horse but the other artists should benefit from the crazy horse sound and i, I mean I, i'm sympathetic to that ralph and billy if you're listening if crazy horse want to be part of any crazy moose recordings then... same goes for phil graves <laughs> same goes absolutely for phil graves <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's funny though, but I mean, Poncho is really conspicuous by his absence on something we'll talk about later, Green Day, or yeah, Hero, which is just Neil and the. I guess they're like classic rhythm section for that though, just bass and drum like partnership. You know, there's a lot of those. Yeah, and they've been there. You know, been there since since. Uh... What is it? People say been there since day. <laughs> <laughs> Fifty years. Yeah, well, because they were... Everybody knows it was like 50 years ago. Exactly, and they were in The Rockets with Danny Whitten as Mm. well. Although, actually, interestingly, they did an EP under the name, I think, Wolves a couple of years ago with one of the original members of The Rockets playing with them. Wow. Uh, I think George Witzel, the guitarist. Cool. Uh, So there there have been kind of horse-related projects popping up. But the horse that we get on Year of the Horse... That's Russ never sleeps. Pure horse, that's the horse. That's that's the definitive horse, I think. No disrespect to Danny Whitten, but I mean, obviously, for most mo- for most of us, you know, there's one record in like three tracks on After the Gold Rush that yeah. have Danny Whitten on, so we can appreciate him as being important to Neil's development and Neil's sound, and a great songwriter and a really tragic loss, and especially a great rhythm guitarist. But mm. Poncho's the one who's really in all of our hearts, in in all the grooves as well. I in feel the, that's like. Deep fucking groups. Yeah, yeah, that's the main thing. I think that Neil Young and Crazy Horse are maybe the greatest band of all time, you know, yeah, just I for how so. they lock in. Yeah, absolutely. And so if you do love the horse as a band, then really Year of the Horse is just kind of like definitive. Mm. It's you can't really get any more kind of although that alchemy film that Neil is working on from the horse's 2012-13 tour. You went to that, right? I did, yeah. I saw them in 2013. And this film and album project that's supposed to be coming out is supposed to capture what turned out to be the last full Crazy Horse tour with Poncho. Mm. And also with Billy as well, because they did a tour in 2014 with Poncho, but Billy had had a stroke and he missed that one. Right, yeah. Uh, and I saw that tour as well. That was great. Neil was digging out deep cuts on that one but um he definitely was on a year of the horse as well it's really interesting 
set list. Yeah. No bangers on Danger there. Bird. Danger Bird's on there. Uh, am, I, am I right? And yeah. there's certain songs, well, a lot of songs from Broken Arrow, obviously. Yeah, Big Time. Big Time is an amazing song. Mm. I've always thought that maybe it's the kind of sludgy post-Briggs production on right. that or something, but I thought that should have been recognised as a classic of, of Neil Young's catalogue. He's got a lot of classics in that oh, period, yeah. though, really. A lot of people love Sleeps with Angels. I, I love I Mirable. think that's an amazing album. And yeah. on, on Mirable, I think the real classic song is I'm the Ocean. That's such a good song, man. Jesus Christ. Like, people my age, they don't do the things I do. Like, he ain't wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and Ragged Glory, which is one of the best albums ever. Pure Horse. Pure, that's Again, Pure Horse. Another tantalising project trailed on the Neil Young Archives website is apparently when Ragged Glory comes out as a 30th anniversary yeah next year <laughs> 30th anniversary re-release it's going to be double the length of just jams or like songs I have no idea I have no idea what songs will be on it but he said he discovered another like half hour of Ragged Glory Jesus material Christ. or something like um, the other side of the wind or something Jeez. yeah um, <laughs> huge news <laughs> yeah so Jarmish made this and it's all like shot on Super 8 or yeah, something, yeah, isn't yeah. It? it's a super like grimy and yeah. gritty thing I, I think incidentally the performances featured in Year of the Horse are different performances to the Year of the Horse live album mm-hmm. and better mm-hmm. I think actually mm-hmm. so there's a bootleg that you can find if you google around a bit called Year After the Horse which is all the performances from the film and it's well worth a listen. Okay, cool. I will listen to that then for sure. Similar set list to that yeah, live yeah. album, but just slightly more fire to the playing. All right, comrade, that's been part one of our massive trawl through the cinematic works of Neil Young, a.k.a. Bernard Shakey. Stay tuned for next time. Deme to Deja Vu. In a bit. Yeah.
It's exciting, it's young people, it's crowdsourcing. Where'd everybody go? You talk about a weenie roast. We got one here. How many ropes must the poor monkey climb? before he can sleep in his tree? And how many words must a smart baboon spell before he's convinced he is free? Yes, and how many car salesmen kneel every day hoping to siphon mother load? The answer, my friend, is breaking in the wind. The answer is nothing you can see. Oh, and how many children will dive to their death in that pool that no one has seen? And how many sweating hands will squeeze pulsing pickles bright and orange, spewing liquid, vile and green? Yes? And how many cancerous riggers will put holes in their wives, stuffing ice cream and asparagus in between? The answer, my friend, is breaking in the wind. The answer is sticking out your rear.